Welcome to Swing Left Nebraska. We are the regional chapter of Swing Left, 100% run by grassroots volunteers dedicated to fighting for a more equitable, inclusive, and prosperous Nebraska and motivating Democratic-leaning voters to vote. When we don't vote, when we don't get engaged, get involved, or stand up for what we believe in, we're effectively giving up our power. Action is the antidote. When we collaborate, work together, support each other and our shared values, we can make our voices heard, make an impact, and inspire others to join the fight. Swing Left Nebraska offers you the information, actionable ideas, and tools you need to advocate for progressive legislation and to help elect Democratic candidates who will fight for the common good for all Nebraskans. Let's mobilize. Let's take action. Let's go. I am thrilled that you joined me today for this very important episode. My name is Leah. I'm a Swing Left Nebraska volunteer and your host. On today's episode, we welcome back Angie, founder of the Nebraska Legislative Study Group, to help us unpack LB-626, the anti-abortion bill. Then, Kimura Snipes will join Angie and I to help us unpack LB-535, the voter ID voter suppression bill. Kimura Snipes has 30 years of experience in organizing in the East Omaha community. She believes that no great work is done alone and collaboration is the key to movement building. When she is not working, she serves as president of the South Omaha Neighborhood Alliance on multiple boards, including Voices for Children and Together. She supports nonprofits and businesses with stakeholder engagement, insight gathering, and organizational and project design. Both of these bills have hearings at the same time this Wednesday, February 1st at 1.30. Angie explains what you can do to make sure your voice is heard on both of these bills. So let's do this thing. Let's start a show. Angie, welcome back to the Swing Left Nebraska podcast. I am so happy you are here to help unpack the anti-abortion bill. Sure. The bill is LB-626 and is introduced by Senator Albrecht. The title of the bill is Adopt the Nebraska Heartbeat Act, but that's actually misleading. It's essentially an abortion ban. It would make abortion in Nebraska illegal after six weeks gestation. So what that means is you technically be about two weeks pregnant. Like two weeks of a missed period. Most people don't even know that they're pregnant at that point in time. So essentially, by the time most people find out that they're pregnant, it would be too late to have the abortion. There's some other stipulations in there as far as what you have to do in order to get an abortion. If you were to find out in time, as far as like ultrasound and stuff like that, it also consequences doctors, says that there's not room that it, Albrecht and supporters would say that women won't be punished and that it won't create problems with health care, stuff like that. But doctors, professionals, these folks obviously disagree with that. There's also this falsehood of exceptions in there. While the language in the bill mentions that there would be exceptions for rape and incest, it's very broad. Like it doesn't explain Okay, so if I say that I'm raped, does the person that raped me have to be convicted? There's a lot of nuance around it that the bill 
would just complicate things, obviously. It's really bad. It's a whole lot of language for essentially what would be an all-around abortion ban in Nebraska. There is a criminalization Um, piece to it. I know today during their session, there was a debate on the floor with having to do if the bill should be returned to the DHS committee or the Judiciary Committee. Can you discuss that? Yeah, so Senator Hunt has filed a ton of motions and amendments towards this bill. And one of the things that she filed was a motion to reconsider. And what that means is that the bill right now has been placed in the Health and Human Services Committee. But by precedent, abortion bills are sent to the Judiciary Committee. So Senator Hunt right now, along with several other progressive senators joining her in supporting this, is trying to get that this bill moved from the DHS committee over to the Judiciary Committee where it should. Did that end up happening? No, it has not. They've had a couple of votes against it. Senator Hunt is fighting the good fight here, okay? So she's doing the motion to reconsider, and then she's re-offered the motion to reconsider. And she's offered out debates and tried to hold out on it as long as she can, tries to filibuster it to where they then have to call. So she's really been able to prolong this out, this fight out. The first motion to reconsider failed, and then she re-offered the motion. So it is likely to fail Okay. again. So call to action, there's been a lot of push for people to show up in person at the hearing on Wednesday at 1.30. So tell me what that's going to look like. What do you expect to see? It'll probably be a really big day at the legislature that day, February 1st. At 1.30, not only has the abortion ban been scheduled in the Health and Human Services Committee, but also the voter ID bill has been scheduled in front of the government military affairs committee. So government veterans military affairs committee. Yeah. So it's going to be probably really busy. If folks get there to testify, you're probably going to want to show up early. You, It's probably a good idea to call the committee chair, which if it's health and human service, the committee chair would be Ben Hansen. It's a good idea to call his office up and ask if how he's going to run that committee, what that hearing is going to look like. It's Odds are he'll cut testimony down to two or three minutes. Sometimes in these situations, they will even reduce the total time of testimony. You should plan on being there for it's going to be an all day type of thing. You're going to get there and you're going to be there probably into the evening unless you get there early and you're able to testify early. But if you want a real clear picture, you're going to have to call Senator Hansen's office and ask how it'll be right away. And if you plan and want to speak at both different hearings, is that possible? How would that work? It is possible. It sometimes gets a little bit confusing. It's frustrating the way that they have scheduled these public hearings as a whole. They've just really front-loaded and front-packed a lot of these hearings that a lot of people care about voters' rights. A lot of people care about the abortion ban. A lot of people care about the education bills that are coming through. And even with the voter one, they only have Senator Slamas on there. There are other bills introduced this session that impact voter rights. 
and they're only holding Senator Slamas on this day. Just the way that they've put this all together feels like they have tried to make it difficult for the second house to really get in there and have their voices heard. Just they've tried to make it, it almost feels like they've tried to make it complicated and hard and challenging. And so you definitely want to call the chair of the committee's offices and you want to double check with them and tell them that they, you would like to testify at both, ask if they have recommendations to make sure, you know, that you could do both. I would definitely recommend submitting online comment either way. That way, if you do miss your opportunity to testify at one of the hearings, you've at least have that public record in there. And then also make sure that you have a printout of what it is that you want to say or your key points or your entire testimony, however you prefer, that you want the senators to know. Make sure that you have 12 copies of that made out or get there early enough to ask one of the legislative staff to make copies for you. That way, in the event you aren't able to make it to one of them to testify, you can leave those copies with that form and make sure that your testimony gets to the committee. Otherwise, it's really just figuring out how each chair is running the committee and then trying to keep an eye on both committees and where they're at and just trying to wait your turn in one so that you can testify and then get to the other. Hopefully and generally speaking, chairs do try to work with people to make sure that everybody gets an opportunity to testify or have their voice heard. But there's also definitely complications. And honestly, if they really wanted to make sure people had their voice heard, they wouldn't have front loaded all of these really important pieces of legislation that people cared about and put them at the same day in the same. It is going to be a little complicated. I'm not going to lie about that. But yeah, you just got to show up and talk to folks and sit there until sit there until they let you testify. Got it. Well, thank you so much for helping us unpack LB-626, the anti-abortion bill, and all the ins and outs on how to testify at both hearings on both bills. Speaking of both bills, I am pleased to announce that Kimara Snipes is here and is joining our conversation. Gosh, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are saving the world, literally. I mean it. I am in such awe of the work that you do from afar. I'm definitely like a fangirl. You do amazing work. I'm so honored that you're here. It's incredible. I wanted to have you on to help us understand the voter suppression bill, LB-535. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of problems with this bill. It's really interesting, too, because... Even going back to when the petition was going around to get people to sign for it, you had a lot of people who looked like me who were also gathering signatures, and that's because they were being misinformed. And it's really presented in a way to where initially it made sense. Why wouldn't I need to have my ID? I need to have my ID everywhere else I go because people really don't understand the ramifications of it. So it talks about actually implementing the voter ID and having to have the ID, but then it also talks about how, what that looks like. And then it says things like if they need to get their state ID for voter purposes, there shouldn't be a charge, but it doesn't really go into detail on like how that looks. You can define charge. I have been reading this book. I just bought it when I was in DC. It goes back to when it starts in the history of the Reconstruction era. And all these different things that I'm reading are really making me think about today. 
and the poll taxes and just the Mississippi plan and, and all these different things that they implemented because during Reconstruction, we had so many Congress people and senators that were people of color, right? We had more than we have had since. And so because of that's why they started implementing all these different ways to keep people who look like me away from the polls. I read about a man named Maceo Snipes, same last name as me. And he, he went and served in a war and came back and it was going to be the first election after that. And he lived down in Georgia and he went and cast his ballot and went home and they called him out to his front porch and they killed him. They've been trying to keep us out of the ballot box for forever. And so this is just an extension of that. When Obama ran, yeah, I was happy, but I was like, they coming for us after this. I had a talk this week when I was in D.C. with my friend Denise, who works for Pro-Georgia. They had their all these runoff elections and different things like that. And even when we lose, we still win. But when we do win, this is what happens again. Now they're coming after us, even here in Nebraska, with this voter ID bill. Having to have an ID to actually go to the polls. Well, if I tell you the hell that I have gone through just in the past just year or so, not having a car as well, trying to get my son's ID. We moved. And a lot of families deal with this misplacement of records, birth certificates, social security card, whatever it is. And I'm telling you, trying to get my son's ID was the most ridiculous process. He actually did a video for Civic Nebraska, I believe, where he talked about just what he had to go through. So they talk about the cost of an ID, which is like $30, I believe, or damn near. That's just one cost. What about the cost to get there? What if you're adopted and don't have your birth certificate like me? If I want my birth certificate in order to be able to go get my ID, I have to go all the way to Lincoln. How am I going to do that? So I got to make sure that I get this ID I have renewed before it expires so I don't have to worry about all of that as well. And there's some gray areas, too, around the word like valid ID, because if you gain weight or lose weight or something like that, they can look at that and say, oh, not valid. Well, Who are these people determining if it's valid or not? Or even as you say that, it sounds funny, but I weigh a whole lot more than what I look like. And someone may look at my ID and be like, she is not 200 plus pounds. That is not her. But guess what? Yes, I am. <laughs> even when you say things like that, yeah, it's funny in this moment. But it's really not. Yeah. It just, it used to amaze me the extent that these policymakers would go through to just disenfranchise people like this. Mm -hmm. 2023. Yeah. And all this talking about racism doesn't exist anymore and all these different things, but yet you are blatantly, blatantly disenfranchising me and people who look like me. And so it starts with us, but this always trickles into other communities. Yeah. So it starts with Black people and brown people, indigenous people and all of that, but this trickles into all communities. So that being said, that's the reason why we need everybody and a mama, as my mama used to say, down in Lincoln next week testifying. Yeah. Period. Preston Love is using one of his tour buses and so he's getting people. So they're going to meet Wednesday at 11 o'clock on 72nd and Dodge, if anyone doesn't know that. Oh, nice. Let's have room for about, I think, 24, 25 people. Awesome. Yeah. And I can take some people with me, too. That's awesome. That's great that you guys are providing that avenue. So cost isn't a barrier to going. Well, and what's also frustrating about the voter ID is that it sounds 
good on paper if you're not in the we- thick of it. I knew as soon as this came out, I'm like, we're going to lose. It, there's no way because they make it sound like, oh, yes, it's voter protection. It's voter. Yeah. It's making your vote safe. But yeah. can you maybe touch a little more on some of the language that they're using to trick us and some things that we can do to push back on that. Just like you said, making it seem safe. We have to use our ID anywhere else we go, supposedly, right? So make it, I have a friend and he was collecting signatures for it. And when he called me and told me what he was going to do, he was going to another state to do it. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm collecting signatures. For I was like, no, can't do that. And he's, what are you talking about? He's like, I don't want anyone going and pretending to be me and vote. And so it's all these conversations around voter fraud and all these different things. But yet, when you go and research and really see what's happening, I think I read somewhere in 2020, maybe it was, out of 31 some million votes that were cast or something, I think they had like, there were several million votes that were cast. I think they said they had 31 instances of some form of fraud out of like double digit millions of people. And they were all MAGAs too. They're saying. And people are so easily misled because we don't research. We just mm-hmm. won't go research. We want information fast. We want it quick. But there's a price to pay a lot of times when things come fast and easy, Right. And so we don't research, we don't go find out for ourselves, and we go for the okie doke. And my friend was doing that, and he was really convinced. And on top of that, let's be honest, they were paying people to do it, and quite a mm-hmm. bit of chunk of money, send them out of town and everything else. So it looks really good on paper, but in essence, it just isn't. I wanted to go back to the point that you had made earlier about the communities that it impacts. And it really does, if you look at Omaha and how segregated Omaha is, we know that this is going to by and large impact east of 72nd Street, right? It's going to be your black and brown neighborhoods and your low income neighborhoods, because that's going to be the folks that struggle more to be able to get those IDs or replace those missing IDs and stuff like that. And so it's a pretty deliberate attempt to outcast certain groups, obviously, but then it's also Rural Western Nebraska has this idea of, okay, yeah, we want to make sure there's no voter fraud, but they're not thinking about how it might take them in my hometown where I grew up in Grant, Nebraska. We didn't even have a DMV in that place. We had to drive up to Ogallala, which was half an hour away, and they were only there once or twice a week in between certain times. So this is going to impact the folks out West in rural areas that by and large came out to vote for this. So my organizing brain is going up. And so for me, like that's part of the testimony that people need to come and get. And so where are our Western allies and that thing, that's the thing too, like coming all the way to Lincoln to testify because they don't want to do it virtually. One issue, people showing up to testify and even sharing that type of information, making that the narrative that, you know, unfortunately with this state Senate, going in and presenting the argument that this is going to disproportionately impact people of color (laughs) doesn't seem to resonate well with them. So maybe that is what needs to happen is more of our allies showing up and saying, hey, this also does affect me as a white Mm -hmm. person who lives in rural Nebraska or who has family in rural Nebraska. 
And as far as things that we can do, those of us who do know this information and do know what's actually within these different bills and things like that, you know, I think it's up to us to just, and even if it's starting with our friends and the people we know, our families, I think some of us have families as well who may reside outside just Omaha and Lincoln, but sharing that information, we call it relational organizing, talking to our people, talking to our friends and making sure they're doing the same thing and getting as many people as possible to show up next week. It's just, it almost seems like defeating when you think about the state legislature and the way that it's made up right now, but we cannot stop. And if we cannot do anything in the state legislature, then we have to make sure that through these different organizations that exist, that provide IDs and do these different things, we have to think collectively as a community and how we can support people to make that happen. Right now, voter turnout is so low in East Omaha, what to say about that, but working hard to try to make sure that those numbers go up as far as turnout is. But if they're going to go up and that is the hope, we have to make sure that we can make sure that people can vote. And if they're going to have to have their ID, we have to find a way to make that happen. And we also have to play chess and not checkers like them. When we talk about ID, what does that mean? They can't charge for state ID if it's needed for voting or they can't charge for a birth certificate. One thing I thought was interesting is it says like they can't charge for a birth certificate if it's indicated that it's need in order to vote. But what does indicated mean? You know what I mean? Does that mean that I just on my own have to know that I have to indicate by the way I need this to vote? Or are you going to actually put something on there that says, that informs me that if I need this to vote, I don't have to pay a fee. So it's just a lot of the stuff in that is so broad. And I think that's the conversation that you and I had previously, Kimra, that I really pulled from was like, okay, so we got to go in and we got to look at those things and try to get that since we have to have this bill, since it was unfortunately voted in. If we can at least get all those details as good as we can get it and then come in, like you just said, afterwards with the neighborhood and community support, to make sure folks can get it over the remaining barriers. But this is our opportunity to to try to remove as many barriers as we can. From my understanding, it's going to make it nearly impossible to utilize the mail-in ballot. And I understand there's towns in Nebraska that they are just mail-in ballot. So that's an interesting thing. Can you speak to that? What I will say to that is it clearly shows you that they're not even thinking about the people they represent. Right. I've been thinking about the people that you represent. And so even that being said, like, it looks like you are trying so hard, right, to prevent us from voting that you don't even get damn about your people who live in these areas that you were. That's what it says to me. They have just really complicated it, too, because it's so if you don't have if you don't have your ID or your ID is considered invalid or whatever, then you have to fill out like this voter verification envelope. And then, you know, that has to be sorted. And then you have to get your ID in by the following Tuesday. So it's like all this extra work and energy on top of it, which almost makes you, I wonder, it doesn't have a fiscal bill attached. It's going to have to have a fiscal note. There's no way this isn't going to not cost money to implement. So it'd be interesting to see. I'd like to see the fiscal note too. See, even that being said, it just shows you how little thought is put in to these bills when they're creating. They are just rushing them through. They're not even talking to each other about them. And they damn sure aren't talking to their constituents about them. 
couldn't they couldn't be they use they talk to their constituents as far as just politicizing it you yeah. said this is all a political game for them like the anti-trans legislation that's oh. politics you know oh. what i'm saying ain't nobody in nebraska actually worried about that shit. it's just a way to rile up their base and be like look what i'm doing and mm-hmm. get them to hate people and meanwhile like, we got a all, whole affordable housing issue we have all yep. these issues and y'all worried about Beep. you know what i'm saying like there's so much going on. Like, people are out here suffering. You know what I'm saying? And y'all out here making up just bills that don't make no damn sense. Angie, we were talking about all the number of bills that were introduced. You know? And to have to spend time on a frivolous bill, we could be talking about something that makes sense, that's actually going to positively impact people. And the only reason why I do what I do is because I care about people. You know what I'm saying that's mm-hmm. it. Instead, we're talking about silence. We're talking about silence at school. Yeah. Literally, let's talk about silence at school when there's kids that can't even afford the school lunch. We're talking about silence. Now, tell me this about silence. What are you talking about? Silence in school. Oh, oh, okay. They're just trying to sneak in prayer in school. That's that's our biggest issue. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, our schools are. A freaking mess over here of real important stuff that needs to be or how about our health care how about the fact that people are waiting six seven eight nine months a year to get into different specialists that they need to see i feel like this is part of the plan like, that we are exhausted because we are just putting so much energy fighting against these bills that are oppressing people and hurting people and harming people and it's and it's taking us away from fighting for the bills that are going to help people i think that's exactly we're just wearing us down, just wearing us down. I do think, though, that as we move forward in this session, because we are such the minority and we know that some of this is going to pass, right? We need to make it very clear that this was brought to them by the Nebraska GOP, because these are things that will impact their life. So when Western rural Nebraska starts struggling with the voter ID, they need to remember that it was the Republican Party that they blindly vote for that implemented that. When the abortion, if we might, hopefully we can fight the abortion ban off, but if we can't and it starts negatively impacting them, we need to make sure that folks know like this is the Nebraska, because I say this because the majority of the legislature are old white guys from Western rural Nebraska. And that is where the power lies. But they come up here and they do absolutely nothing for their constituencies. And then they go back and they lie and they blame the quote unquote inner cities and they blame the welfare moms and the, and they blame the city legislators and the urban senators for the reason that things are going to crap. When we know for sure that it is not Senator McKinney that holds the power, right? It is these guys from rural western nebraska or how it is that a senator can continuously just not really do much for their constituents and continuously get elected apathy of folks just not paying attention i know in my hometown a lot of it's lack of media and lack of news and lack of information out there you don't even get eastern nebraska news you get colorado news what do you care about colorado politics for that's true. I guess I don't really think about that. It's, yeah, there's a lot of, I guess, seclusion. Some of it's willful ignorance, too, obviously. Yeah, they're told that rats are 
evil. They want to come for your guns. They want to take your gas stoves. They are fed complete well, BS. It is, but and it goes deeper than that too, though. It's Democrats think you're stupid, think you're not educated. Democrats think less of you because you haven't been to college or think less of you because you're country folk. So well, then is like the party just not able to spread any message in these rural counties? Man, we are clearly failing to get that messaging out there. So unfortunately, yep. Well, boy, there's a lot going on and I got to give it to you, Angelia, you know what I'm saying, for being able to stick with it and continue to try to bring people information because that's the biggest thing. Like what you're doing right now, Leah, you know what I'm saying, I have four goals when it comes to this work and part of that is education awareness. And so this is super important. We have to continue to do this and find the ways to build it out and keep it going because that's the biggest thing. Just like what you just said, Angie, a lot of people just don't have the right information, the education awareness. And I am so thankful that you don't give up, even <laughs> though it is a show to be in Nebraska and keep it going. I was talking to Senator McKinney's legislative aide today, and she's from the South and even she's it is really different here. I'm like, I know it's a whole just different. And so we have to deal with that. And I'm new getting into policy. I've always been like an advocate and an organizer. I'm new getting into this policy stuff and grassroots lobbying and things like that. And so going down and testifying, like this is new stuff for me, but I see how necessary it is. What's one piece of advice and motivation that you can offer to the audience? Advice and motivation. Advice, talk to your kids about voting. Talk to them, talk to them. That's where we have to start, period. People who know where resources are, start pulling them because we may need them to help people who need to get an ID. If you are able to next week, join Preston, join us, and let's show up in Lincoln. I got a box of, I think I might have maybe a hundred or so Black Voters Matter masks. We can wear those too. As far this is advice. It's just, don't give up. I know it's hard. Like, I'm telling you, like, just thinking about the state Senate, the state legislature, I understand if people feel like this is a defeated sort of time because it's tough, but we cannot stop, right? This is nothing new. I saw Erin Feichtinger today and she told me she's like a historian. And she was telling me about something that King Louis the 11th or something had said. And it made a whole lot of sense. And it was something like, there was a lot of corruption and stuff going on. And he said something like, after I'm gone, the flood comes or something. There's been a lot of floods. And I think we're experiencing a flood right now. But this too shall pass, and this will weed out the weak, I think. But we cannot stop. And as much as I've had thoughts like, is Nebraska for me? Because I ain't feeling like Nebraska for me. I know that when I decide to go, that's me telling them you win. I'll be damned if I let you win. You cannot win. I will not let you win. And so... I don't always know what the answer is, but I do know that 
when two and three and four and five people get together, greatness comes from that. And so I'm willing to sit down with anybody to have a conversation about how can we address this and attack this. It's not going to stop. We have to keep going. History does repeat itself. And so we've seen some of this before. So that being said, I would also say now's a great time to talk to our grandparents. You know what I'm saying? Our parents who have seen some of this. Let's not forget our elders. I know that, you know, it's time to pull youth in and youth deserve a voice and have to have a voice and to be a part of the process. But don't kick the elders out because history repeats itself and they've seen some of this. I have a pastor at my church and he went to Morehouse. He was an organizer for the CWA in the 60s. You know what I'm saying? And he told me, he was like, I've seen this. And I know he has. And so let's remember that too. And it might be a good way to bridge this generational divide that sort of exists as well. Maybe this is something that we can all work on together to really address and get over. And maybe if we do that, then we got even more power in numbers anyway. So I'm kind of building the plan as I fly it with this, but yeah, we just can't give up hope. Even though it may seem hopeless, we cannot give up hope. Omaha, Nebraska, and this is, I know it's about the whole state of Nebraska, but I just I always feel like in Omaha, like there's been this sense of hopelessness, but we have to find a way to get past that. It's people like you that inspire a lot of people by just watching you out there. It's intoxicating and you definitely have a ripple effect. Is there anything else that you want to offer? Nothing more than what I've said. We have to find a way to get people involved, which really comes through education. We have to do our due diligence and our elected officials should be doing their due diligence to really, the onus is on them. They keep putting it on us to be the ones who have to go and seek information. But no, they are the ones who should be coming to us and sharing information, and sharing these processes so that we know what the hell is going on. And so we have to find a way to build communities in a better than what we have been doing, myself included. I really think that's through neighborhoods. So that being said, I encourage people to get with their neighborhood association. I am happy to help you do that. I'm president of the South Omaha Neighborhood Alliance. And really every person I know, I know Angie's heard me say it, every person I know in the Neighborhood Association is a voter and not just a voter, but they vote in midterm city elections, the whole nine yards. So when we build our neighborhood associations, we are, are building neighborhoods, we're building teams, we're building power. We're building consensus. And so, yeah, when we start investing in these neighborhoods more, we're going to increase voter turnout. And then we can get some senators in place who will not try to cause damage on our communities, wreak damage on our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kimara, this has been a blast having you on. Thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge about voter suppression and the importance of getting involved with your neighborhood association. Thank you again to you both for your time today. Whether if you're able to show up in person to testify or not on Wednesday, February 1st at 1.30 for either the anti-abortion bill, LB-626, or the voter suppression voter ID bill, LB-535, it's critical you leave a public comment on those bills by going to nebraskalegislator.com. In the far right corner, you'll enter the bill number you want to comment on. It will bring you to the bill page. Click the submit comment online button. From there, you'll be able to enter everything you need to and submit your comment. You can write a lot 
or you can be a little. Senators are paying attention. Thank you for taking the time to get some education from two incredible women on these two important bills. Educating yourself is the first step in making change. Swing Left Nebraska will continue to offer you the information, inspiration, and tools you need to get fired up and stay fired up. We got to do this work together. So let's mobilize. Let's take action. Let's go. Ready, set, go. Get ready to go.